welcome, welcome, welcome to Inclusionism. It is 5.41 in the p.m. Welcome to Harlem. Welcome to WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. And my weekly church where we like to say individuals are at their best when they identify with the community. And communities are only, keyword, at their best when they identify all of their individuals. Um, this is this is a special week. It's, I've been out at, at churches, you know, all week or all day, excuse me, talking about Black History Month. And we talk about Black History a lot here. We talk about... Um, racial minorities and power structure and exclusion in general here a whole lot. So um, today, even though it was in the middle of February, I thought it necessary to step back for a bit and try to see um, how other folks are living, you know, what, what, their, what their life story, life struggles, et cetera. But as many of you all know, uh, I'm running for U.S. Congress here in Harlem, here in the 13th District of New York. I uh, am my my core policy is universal basic income. And you know that there was a presidential candidate named Andrew Yang also running on a platform of universal basic income. And his campaign has done, you know, leaps and bounds for us in talking about this issue, talking about equity, talking about inclusion, which, again, is our core issue here. Um, and as we talk about, you know, his math and how we all are endeavoring to make America think harder about remedies to exclusion in this 21st century, um, I think one conversation that has been lost a bit uh, over the course of the past few months, or really few years at this point, as he was running a, a quite long race to get to the level that he that he got to not having um, all of the party infrastructure is a conversation about who he was, how he looked, and how people responded to that. And so with that said, uh, we have um, Kiko Sono, who is here down from Hudson Valley today. Uh, She's one of the co-founders and early organizers of the Yang Gang up there. For any of you who are not familiar uh, the Yang Gang was sort of this adopted term that uh, that his supporters, that his donors, that his organizers um, arrived at as they sort of ganged up on the on on voters across the country and really spawned a new wave of conversation around what the 21st century looks like. Um, Kiko is also a community uh, artist and, you know, just well-known and repped in the emerging community of uh, activists and advocates for, you know, humanity, you know, first and foremost, but also that having a a tangible equity stake, a dividend, a payment, a UBI. She's a basic income advocate. She's probably a million other things that we definitely want to explore here. And uh, so with that said, uh, First, Kiko, thanks for, for coming down to Harlem. Thanks for joining me. James, thank you so much for having me. It's I'm, really exciting. I'm so excited that you're here. Like, um, um, so we started talking uh, or just, you know, chatting earlier. I reached out to a guy named Michael uh, Moyet, who uh, was on the Yang campaign. He's also come on and, and volunteered quite a bit on our campaign. We nerded out about a lot of issues. I think he put out some fillers to try to see who we could find, who we could meet to... Um, to talk about this conversation of really, I'm not even going to, I don't, I don't want to sugarcoat it because I want it, I want it to be this special moment in thinking about the fact that Andrew Yang is an Asian American man. 
that means a lot of different things. I like to think about, but feel free to chime in on this and, and break it up if it doesn't stick. When I think about like the LGBTQAI, all those different letters, community, how diverse the community actually is and how those people don't always rock and roll and jive together. When I think about the Asian American community, I know a lot of folks will just go, oh yeah, Asian, 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 based on the, the way folks look, but it's a whole lot of diversity there. There's a whole lot of good and bad blood. There's a whole lot of, you know, good and bad blood from from wars, from, you know, ethnic backgrounds, from language barriers, from economic backgrounds. So before we get into to Andrew, um, let's just get into like who who you are. Are you you I think you, you told me offline. So you're you're a first generation immigrant. You came here when? About how old were you when you got here? So um I was an exchange student in high school. Sweet. So this is way back in like 78. So That's not that long just ago. imagine. Yeah, all right. <laughs> okay, so I, I so I came to Michigan yes. and stayed with a family that I had never met before. And you went to Michigan first. Yes. Yeah. And back then being an exchange student was like, you know, you yeah. are representing Japan. Yes. So you cannot you know, embarrass us, you know, and we have to go through this really rigorous orientation. Yes. And we didn't have, you know, cell phones or internet or anything back then. In and we right. were, I was told to uh, restrain any kind of, you know, rest, you know, don't show your emotion too much. Mm. You know, you know I, we know you're going to miss your family, but, you know, like you're with your American family. Yeah. So I called home twice in one year. In that's whole it. year, that's it. Oh, my God. Yeah. So it was a really d- different time. Yeah. But, yeah, so just to um, go back to what you were saying about being Asian, yeah. Asian American, you know, of course, oh my gosh, I mean, there's how it's many a, different countries in Asia, There's a whole Asia, continent, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And also, you know, in this country, you know, like first generation, second generation, third generation, that's all different. Mm-hmm, and also mm-hmm. those who have um, non-Asians as one of the parents, you know, we what in Asia we call half, half. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that's completely different. Mm. Their experiences are very different. And also, it also depends on the culture that the, the family is, you know. The, from, um, you know the, like the, the, kind the of national culture, culture or the culture from inside those places? Well, you know, like class, I think eco- sure. economic class really, you know, makes a difference. And also like West Coast and East Coast are very different. Sure. Um, so that being said, There's I have so to say, yeah. yeah Andrew Yang running, I think it really did bring us together. Yeah, I yeah. thought, yeah. I just felt as I moved around and met so many people in that the sort of movement that occurred, and that is still occurring, by the way. I mean, there's so much still going on. It just felt like, and, and I felt this sort of as an ethnic minority in this country, a lot of people glaze over the fact that a lot of people are just falling in love with the idea of like, I see this man, but he is, so his parents are Taiwanese. So that's, so it's a very specific type of background. They came here, they worked, you know, he did some other things, but it's very different from if they were Japanese or Chinese or, you know, Filipino or if they were Pacific Islander at all. And I know some, you know, Asians and even some Pacific Islanders go, we're not them. Right. You know, and then you have the Indian population goes, we're not them. And, and there's so much diversity just if we talked about any. So I'm going to sort of, <laughs> for to be against this show's rules, exclude them from the conversation. But even if you just look at the countries that are on the continent of Asia, it is, 
It's equivalent of if we try to loop in, you know, Spanish people with French people with English people. They're totally different. Right. And of course, you know, yeah. we all have different histories. Yeah. And, you know, World War II, of course, that's not that far. No, it's not that far off. Our, um, our grandparents were, my grandparents' generation was there. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, um, you know, as you probably know, yeah. you know, there is a complication. I mean, there's kind of a mixed feeling between, sure. say, Japanese and Koreans and I'm aware. I don't think a lot of people are aware, though. And I think that's something that would you say, did you see, you know, Korean and Chinese and Japanese people coming into this campaign where they, I mean, did you meet any of them on the trail? I know you're up in, you know, upstate New York. Yeah, I met a lot of um, um, Asian American Yang Yang. Yeah. I have to say, I think this is the first time I've, um, you know, interacted with this many Asian Americans. Really? In my life. <laughs> so what is so what is you all's group up there? About how big is it and about what percentage would you say is Asian American? Okay, that I should have actually um figured that out. Or just rough, you know, yeah, just based on your experience it's from me. A lot, you know, yeah. it's a pretty large percentage. Uh, yeah. Um in New York City especially, yeah. I think. Totally. It I mean from the outside it looks like at least fifty percent. Okay. At least, if not more. Sure. But like where I am in uh, congressional district, 19th congressional, congressional oh, district. Oh, yeah, 19th. Yeah. Um, we let's see. I'm the only Asian delegate. Oh, really? Delegate. No. Okay. Oh, but delegate, right? Yeah. Th- there are six of us, and right. there's only one of, you know, just me. But of the other folks who um, are just part of the gang up there, you know, they're all. Yeah. Uh, there's one Jewish guy, and yeah. The rest are Caucasian. So yeah. it's great to see that, you know, sure. in Andrew Yang's supporters that, totally. you know, there are all these great, you know, a huge number of Asians. But at the same time, there are, you know, people from all different walks of life and, you know, every shade of skin, you know. So, yeah, um, yeah I think that is something really unique that I think um, Andrew accomplished. I will say we've... So just via my own personal Twitter feed, we've got so many new Asian and Asian American, you know, followers and friends on that group. When some folks look us up now, the suggested friendships, it, it looks like if you had to do some data analytics that I was, it would be like, oh, and this guy is also of some sort of Asian descent. Um, because so many of the those Yang Gang folks have, have come in and... Um, and again, they're from different walks of life. Their uh, ethnic ties are to different places, but they're all across the country. And so I do, it, it, it is almost as if he is, if someone wanted to, let's say if you were, you know, one of the, the Democratic front runners now or anyone else for that matter, and you wanted to try and tap into the Asian American vote and see it as a, as a monolith, which it, which it never is. Same with the black vote, Latino voter, you name it. Um, you would... The first place I would go is I would go to Yang and say, hey, um, can we can we talk to folks through you? Can we talk to your data? Because mm. he has so many of them across the country. And it's I think it's similar to in my district, uh, about 50 percent of folks who live up here are, are Latino now in the 13th district. But I think the one to the party's detriment, the black and white people in the party, when they would talk about this district before I started running, they would say, oh, but it's a very Latino district now. But that means about 12 different things. <laughs> and they all wave their own flag. And 
they don't necessarily get along and have the same, like Cubans are very different from Dominicans who are very different from Puerto Ricans who are American, but because they are, they may speak some Spanish or look a certain way, people lop them in or the political parties do, which is really what has been to their disadvantage over time. But uh, that said, you know, a strong leader who can tie folks together can often make it seem like, oh, they're just a monolith. And you just talk to, like, you, people used to think if you want to talk to all black people, you just call Jesse Jackson or you call Al Sharpton. That's changed, but back in the day it was different. So for you, what did you, like, at what point, well, let's just talk about you first. Like, so you, you, you saw Andrew Yang, and outside of the ideas, was there any sort of that you can define emotional reaction to was there any sort of just pride like i i just like this guy and his wife and his kids because mm -hmm. of you know yeah. so first off yeah let me just say that for a long time i had a kind of a problem yeah with the fact that he's asian and i'm asian and mm. i'm supporting him mm. and especially in my um community where the majority of people were white mm -hmm. are white i was really self-conscious of that you know yeah. i didn't want people to think that i was supporting him because i'm asian or because he's asian yeah um and and especially in the beginning for like many months when right after i uh, started the hudson valley yang gang i was met with deafening silence mm. by my friends like everybody no one was responding to my facebook comments no one was like you know would talk to me about Andrew Yang, you know. How long ago um, would you say that was this, when you started? From, like, February to, I would say, pretty recently. Until so it's like about a year. Whole, yeah. Last February, yeah. 2019. But yeah. just in the last month or two, you know, people really started to come, to come to me and say, hey, I really like this guy. And so finally I was able to bring it up with my friends, mm. my white fr friends, and I said, hey, you know, um, I hope you don't think that I'm supporting Yang because he's Asian. Mm -hmm. And they were surprised to hear that. They were like, "I that never occurred to them, they said. Mm. Uh, because they know me. The white ones. Yeah, the white ones. Did anyone <laughs> who was non-white say that? <laughs> I haven't asked them. Okay. Because yeah. I don't think I, anyone else actually, would. They go, yeah. I, I think my Asian friends said that. Well, sure, but they do it too. I, I will say one thing that we that we all do as minorities of any sort. Like when, when Barack Obama started running, you know, I as an intellectual, would try to hold him to whatever issues I thought I was seeing. But at some point I had to admit to myself as a little black boy that even though he was, you know, African and American, which is different than what we call that. Like, black folks, we don't usually use African-American a lot unless we're in rooms with people who are not black. Like, I say black, but when I feel like the room is whispering the N-word to me, I say African-American because it's more formal. And I don't know if, if, if you've even, you know, ever heard that, but like I as like there's not a whole lot of African blood in my lineage unless you sort of. Right. I've done my genome sequence and, and sure it goes back to there, but it doesn't. Um, I'm not like Barack, who was a son of an immig African immigrant and a white woman. Like I'm just I'm an American descendant of slaves. And so but I had to admit to myself per how he looked. And how his wife looked, and how his kids looked, and my mother's family's from the south side of Chicago. I was just like, you know, a piece of me wants to see how far he can get. And I was young enough to take that risk. You know, this was 2008. I'm 38 now. I was a bit younger. So 
a piece of me, it was sort of like a coming out moment. Like I had to admit to myself, you're black and you're a bit impartial to it. Now you can possibly get beyond that and look at the issues, but you gotta, I gotta mm-hmm. say something about this first. And I would say it to the older people in my community, my uncles, and they would immediately write it off for a few reasons. They would go, you're just supporting him because he's black and we can't do that, even though they all supported Jesse Jackson in 88 <laughs> and 84. But aside from that, they would just go, well, he can't win until he started winning. And then they got really emotional in a way that even I wasn't. And I realized there was this sort of, there's this trauma built up in them that they weren't admitting to. And so I'm just saying, I say it in a long-winded fashion to say I, I hear you on um, needing, no to, needing to apologize for it before you said I'm repping this guy because he actually had amazing ideas, yeah. and which he did. So um, if I can just go back to yeah. um, you know, what I was saying, uh, because I don't really want to give wrong impression sure. to your li- listeners. The reason that my friend said that it didn't really occur to, me, to them was because what he was advocating advocating really aligned with what I had been advocating all my life before um, his run. And my friends all knew about that. So for them, it was really a natural uh, progression and evolution of my Self. Which was so, what? Which is the, the basic income piece or, or basic other things? Basic income is part of it. Um, I came to support basic in- income because, so I, I'm a li- uh, lifelong artist, mm-hmm. and especially like community-based project mm-hmm. artist. And one of my big things, as my friends all know, um, is that I've been advocating for fair compensation for artists. Not even like compensation in terms of like getting paid, but really more of a bigger picture of mm. looking at the system itself and the market system really does not align with the nat- the way artists naturally work. Yeah. Not just artists, any kind of creative people or like people with passion. You know, we do things not because we need to make money mm-hmm. I mean, f- from doing what we, we're passionate about, but because we believe in it. We love it doing yeah. it. And we're you passionate need to about make. it. Exactly. Right. I mean, we don't have a choice. I mean, right. If you ask artists, why do you make art? Most people say, well, I, must, I don't have a choice. I don't have a choice. <laughs> exactly. I must make. That's what I, I am art. and that's who I am. Yeah. So, you know, how do you tap into that kind of intrinsic motivation? You yes. know, we can't really do that with today's market system. I love so, that. Yeah, sorry. No, yeah, no, no you, you're fine. I, I, I love that you... B- bring up the sort of intrinsic uh, contributions that these artists must provide because they are, in fact, artists. And how, yeah, the markets the markets don't account for that. They no. can't always quantify it or anticipate it. And so there's no, there's no room about it. Just really, we, we have to take a really brief uh, break. When we come back out, I want to talk about sort of your use of that word intrinsic because uh, sort of the the core premise of inclusionism or the name of this show is the idea that people have an intrinsic value. Mm. And I think it, it definitely, not I think, but it definitely goes right back to that idea that that value is also a tangible thing. Like there's money tied to it, but it's not because of the money. It's the money is because of the inherent value. So that said, you know, we do talk a lot on this show about cash and money and this is obviously my my favorite song because I play it every week. Um, we'll be right back, folks. 
You're listening to WHCR 90.3 FM, The Voice of Harlem. Right back with uh, with Kiko Sono, um, artist. Uh, she's she's just come down from from the Catskills. Uh, she was uh, a co-founder of um, of of the Yang Gang up there. Wait, not the Catskills. Did I, it's, it's, yeah, oh. Woodstock is part of. Catskills. Oh yeah, they're yeah they're all in, all encompassed. She's coming from upstate New York, folks, and she was an early organizer of, of the Yang Gang. She's one of the delegates of the Yang Gang up there. Um, and we're just we're here to talk about sort of the the inclusion of identities, the intrinsic value of those identities. And where we left off was she was just getting into um, when she was educating friends about Yang's presidential run. Uh, you know, she mentioned his his ethnicity, but they didn't, you know. They didn't see that or think about that because it already aligned with sort of her her life's work and philosophies as an artist and sort of the intrinsic contribution that you all that you all you know across all cultures give uh, and that's why I, again I'm I'm so grateful that you're here because I think to have an artist here to talk about culture and the distribution of it is is rare and we don't hear that at least I don't hear artists talk about this in this way enough. Is that different in your experience? You probably know more artists than I do. You're right. You're yeah. absolutely right. Artists yeah. don't talk talk about this. Artists don't yeah. really talk about money. Yeah. You know, period. Except for the fact that we don't get in enough money. That we don't have any. Right. <laughs> any. Yeah. Right. But they de- they arguably deserve so much because if any of us are influenced by any of it, and, you know, we go and we're decent operators. It is still as a result of some art that we were inspired by, whether it's something we saw, something we touched, or even a story we heard. That's all mm. that's all yes. art. Yes. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, what's really great about Andrew's run is that like I said, you know, like my friends said that they didn't really think about it because what yeah. he's was advocating was really uh, in alignment with what I was doing. So that's a beautiful thing because whatever you're passionate about, mm-hmm. like in this case, you know, art or UBI or abundance or whatever. Mm-hmm. If you do that, if you if you go at that, that overrides race. That I mean, I, I, I no go. I, yeah, that overrides whatever distinction that people might impose on you. Yeah, um, I'm you know like if I'm talking about my identity. Yeah, my I my pri, uh, primary identity is artist. I yeah. mean, that's how I would you know describe myself. Yeah. That's how that's that's what makes me 
you know, Keiko Sono. Yeah. And I don't even know, you know, how much being an Asian, mm. where it ranks, if, if I were to rank, you know, what these, sure. you know, um, definition, you know, how, how, how they would um, rank in terms of like my identity. Sure. Um, so Andrew kind of, that, that's why he brought us together because he showed us a vision that so many of us had inside us but mm. they couldn't come out because no one was like advocating what he was especially politician or you know presidential candidate yeah i do think so there's this there there was this spiritual undertone and i was even talking about that i was at two very different types of churches earlier today um talking about these issues and the fact that we're at this point in time i think in it, and it is because of technology that we can tie sort of our moral regard to something tangible like an economic you know, distribution of property or wealth or capital, um, it's something totally new. Like it's, it's not an opportunity we had in the 20th century for sure. And the fact that he, that he led with that message first without being a preacher but sort of made a, a church out of uh, his campaign, I think it was able to house a lot of diversity in it. But the, the first diversity, because he did have a lot of, I mean, look, he... When I first met him, I first, when I first met him, I, I laughed like this is ridiculous. And so what? Right. Uh, but then we spoke and I just thought, all right, this guy's a real deal. And um, and I believe. And if I have to spend any of the little political capital I have, it should be on this. That was number one. And so I saw from there and I looked at around the room, was a bunch of white people in the room. And I was like, so he has all of us. Right. But beyond that. When I looked at the numbers of the people who were who were coming in, because we got a lot of his folks to come in and donate a dollar to the campaign, ten dollars, and those folks that came in, and when we look at the folks who were supporting him, bar none, they were they were Asian folks. So even while his message had the ability to bring together a lot of folks, the fact that it brought together a bunch of diversity in the Asian American community was something extraordinary. I think that means that there is something there that that is that provides a bond that we're not exploring, acknowledging. And it's not to say that all they are is that thing, but it's, it's definitely there. Yeah. And it just, it wasn't acknowledged enough. I remember people being, they didn't like, they thought it was too flippant when he would make Asian jokes mm. on the debate stage. I liked it. Um, I think it humanized them. But, you know, when you're a politician, like I'm wearing a blue suit right now because I have to. I don't want to wear this thing. But I have... I have six of these, this identical one, because I got them on sale. <laughs> so you, people, people want you to be this less than human thing that can go out and get stuff done for him. And that, that's really difficult when we're just talking about he's advocating for mm -hmm. that human piece of you yeah. that has influenced so many people where you live. So have you talked with other uh, you know, folks from different Asian countries about this? Is this... Is this a conversation that comes up with you all at all? I haven't really talked about that uh, specifically, but mm -hmm. um, before I came on this show, you know, you tweeted about you know me coming onto your show, so yeah. I you know to, uh, you know um, retweeted that and said, "Hey, Yang Yang, <laughs> by yeah. the way, Yang Yang, if you're listening, thank you, I love you." Yeah. Um, so I oh, they asked said them, some stuff. Yeah, I asked them, you know, to share their experience of 
being Asian American in this campaign. Oh my god! So, so we got a lot of tweets. Right now. Yeah. I won't. Go ahead. yeah. Um. So you know. Just looking at those comments themselves, you know, like they really vary in different nuances and different, you know, angles. Yeah. And it just kind of shows the uh, diversity of, you know, how we perceive this. But um, one of the comments was that she, Tyrene, Tyrene, she's a a really uh, visible and really vocal and really wonderful supporter of Andrew Yang. Uh She said that um, she never really liked identity politics mm. and um you know like me either you know i never sure. really you know like asians are uh neither we don't have the privilege that mm. white people have but mm. we have more privilege than sure sure you know some other groups of minorities do um but we don't we don't we 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 usually don't play the race cards because it doesn't really work that well. Sure, you know? right, right. Yeah. So we're kind of in the middle, and that's why that I think that's what makes us invisible, mm. quote unquote. Um, mm. But so um, I can't really speak for other people, but myself. Yeah, just for you. Because yeah. I have never really experienced really overt racist mm-hmm. sort of, you know, treatments in my life. Sure. Um, fortunately, you know, I'm yeah. privileged, you yeah. know. Um, I never really, I've, I've always, you know, kind of fought against racism, but it was really about other people and not really about us. You know, yeah. It was right. really just not really a, a big part of our, you know, life. Yeah. But seeing how Andrew was treated mm. by the mainstream media... It became clear to us that, wow, this really does exist. That it was at play. Yeah. Mm. So I think that's another really positive thing, actually, that came out of this campaign because, you know, we, we, that this is not right. It provided some transparency. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, I'm sure, I mean, you've been talking about race for a long time. So yeah, you know, yeah. that, you know, how complicated it is. Totally. It totally is. No, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like Andrew, Andrew, yes, he's. Asian, but he's also, you know, his parents are from Taiwan, and they also they still had pretty strong tie to Taiwan oh, as he was growing up. I think so. It's like, I didn't even know where yeah. he was from for a long time because I was scared. That I didn't want to ask. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people feel like they don't know how to ask Asian folks in general where they're from because they know it's a lot of places, huh. but they don't want to lo- loop them in, and they don't want to, you know, embarrass themselves. <laughs> yeah. And people go, "What do you mean? I'm from New York." Anyway, so keep going. So. So his parents have ties, right. not to interrupt. Right. Yeah. So, you know, he's different from, let's say, like, you know, third generation mm. Asian Americans from San Francisco. You know? yeah. and, and he was born and grew up. He yeah. grew up in Schenectady, mm-hmm, New York, mm-hmm. which is yeah, I've been very there. different it's, from San Francisco totally or is. Los Angeles. Yeah. So, you know, his experience, I think, is, you know, completely different from right. you know people some you know, like a third generation asian american in you know san diego right so right. um i you know so him being the way he is mm. if he was looked more like you know like an actor or like if he was half Asian and half American. Oh. I think you know things might have been different. You know, so oh, if he was like a tall, square-chinned thing, right? And also, you know, if he, you know, he's he's a really great speaker, but yeah. he's not he's not really um, 
you know, he doesn't really align with what you would expect a, a presidential candidate to be. Like, you know, Obama sure. was very eloquent. And, yeah. you know, he... He was sort of born to be the, exactly. the poli- He was a politician's politician. Right. Yes. Yeah. Andrew Yang is not politician. Yes. So in the beginning, even I mm. had to get used to seeing him on TV, like on a debate stage. It felt fascinating. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like I had to unlearn mm. what I had learned, what I had come to expect to see, expect mm. on a political stage. And I had to relearn that. And once I re once I realized that, no, you don't have to be fake. Yeah. You don't have to be the way, you know, politicians are. Yeah. Then it, he became really, you know, it really was refreshing. Yes. And he made other politicians look they fake. They looked fake, right. Yeah. I think, yeah, they all probably looked a little fake, with the exception of, you know, Bernie Sanders with, with dandruff on his <laughs> shoulder. It was like, that's, that's Bernie. Yeah. He didn't even dress up. Right. But you're right, especially with like a Trump. You know, being, you know, physically made up with makeup and everything. And yeah, Obama looked, he was a politician's politician. He was a sort of 20th century politician at the beginning of this century. But so, so that's really interesting you say that because I thought about that too, but I think in a different way, being a politician myself, I know, like, I'm a, I'm a relatively tall but narrow person. Mm-hmm. So when I first met Andrew, I think one of the things I said to him, I was like, your head is big. It's bigger than mine. And I was like, you know what? And I, t- you know, I usually tell jokes when I go into rooms where I don't know anyone. And I was like, anybody with a head bigger than mine could probably be the president. And he's tall. He's, he's actually, tall. he's tall. Yes. He's about an inch or two taller than me. I was like, you know what, man? I like everything you said. We, we share some ideas here. love the background i was like but the fact that you are like six one and you got a bigger head than me i'm with it i was like because i didn't know i didn't know who i was going to walk into walking in here and again you go stereotypical you go racial you go i'm gonna meet some short asian man but he wasn't and i left there i was like you could be it and then we saw his whole family like you know i think his his family is beautiful you know the, the kids the wife the whole story when i really looked at him later in the campaign i just thought he 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 became at least the politician that I that I didn't initially see when I walked in, but I knew he could because again I'm a bit biased because I deal with politicians all the time, and I was like, well, you know, his head is big enough and his shoulders are wide enough for him to be the president. <laughs> okay, because he won't uh, look weak on stage, and th- that's a problem. That's a sort of chauvinistic. It's a it's a problem with masculinity. I think we think you got to be a certain stature physically to be viable from a power standpoint, but. Because I've heard people even say that about Kamala Harris. They were like, her head is big enough to be president. I thought, <laughs> what does that mean? That. It sounds crass, but no, I mean, people in my circles, they would go there. So so, so you had to retrain yourself yes. to, to even digest that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, imagine, I mean, if it took me a little while to get used to. Right. Well, what did it take for everyone else? <laughs> or, yeah. And you were early adopter. If you were there in February of last year, that's early. That's really early. I was, I started following him in yeah. Early like January of two, 2018. Okay, and then yeah. you got right in. Yeah, that's because month. you know because yeah. I was a UBI follower. No, I love it. Um, yeah, I think yeah. So all of us on the UBI train were like, we started to have meetings like this is an opportunity because when I yeah. realized he was really gonna run, I was like, oh, well, we have to build a sort of movement around this. And we, that's what all those marches and the the income movement came about because I was like, you know, he's gonna bring some attention to this. If we're not prepared to pick that up with infrastructure. We lose. But again, but back to the, you know, the the point of this story, I mean, 
So he brought together a bunch of, you know, Japanese and Chinese and Korean folks and people who normally don't get along. Well, I don't know if I'd say that. But, you know, it's true, actually, you know, like Japanese community and Chinese community, they don't actually, you know, really hang out together, I don't think. Um, But, yeah, he, he brought us together. And that's been one of the you know, unexpected mm. uh, bonuses of this being involved in this campaign. Totally. I love, I'm, I'm belong to like a few chat group, chat, chat mm-hmm. rooms, you know, in uh, on Twitter mm-hmm. with different Yang Yang members. It's really fun to be in a company, even if it's virtual, in a company of other Asian Americans. I feel it. When I talk to, you know, other folks in the community, I just, I feel it. I sense yeah. it. And I'm, a piece of me is sort of excited for them or, or you are. And then a piece of me is jealous, like, wait, I want to play. <laughs> but, yeah, I hear you. So so it's refreshing. And they're what? They're from everywhere. They're not up in your neck of the woods. They're These are people from across the country that you're chatting with? Well, yes, yes, yeah. And some, some are from, like, the other side of the globe. You know, like uh, yeah. my good friend Caroline is uh, in Malaysia, I think. Oh, but, but she's following along. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. they are. So, um that was, yeah. I didn't really expect that. And until that happened, I didn't even realize that I didn't have that many Asian American friends. Yeah, really? <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, I think New York City is very different. But I would say anywhere else in the country, you know, I think the Asian populations, with the exception of California, is pretty sparse. You know, you see somebody in there, you know, far and in between. But... um what, so what about those other Twitter followers? Did anyone else say anything else that, that rang out? Um, you know, like that one woman saying she didn't, she didn't realize that she sort of had these biases or, or issues. Because um, it, it feels like an awakening, in which I would say was a win. When people talk about, oh, he dropped out of the race and this and that, I'm like, I don't, I don't think we've really started to digest how successful the campaign was and how outside of the people loving the issue ubi and beyond how much there was a i think again within your community or your broader community a sort of yearning for this identification as something uniquely american specifically american um something that you get to have i mean i want to like i i cried when obama was was elected and i was actually i had a place here in new york but i was running a firm in south africa so i went right back to south africa after I was in Atlanta the day he was elected. Then I went over back to South Africa and I was immediately met with, I was there for his inauguration. And I was immediately met with uh, some racism from Afrikaners there who are like the Nordic, Germanic uh, white folks who live in South Africa. And the woman who owned this restaurant that we stopped to watch the inauguration was like, oh, we're turning this up. This is historic. We're all going to watch this and we have an American here. And then these Afrikaans guys were like, turn that, I can't even say what they said on the, on the radio. Wow. But, and I will say, the, the thing I appreciated about South Africa versus the United States is right when I got there and I was trying to be the businessman that I couldn't be over here, I didn't think I could be over here. Um, I was met with this sort of abject but peaceful racism people just let me know look kid i think you're probably smart you probably know stuff you probably know what you're talking about but i can't trust you because you're colored like over there they would call me colored because i'm fair-skinned and even while it was devastating and direct 
it also wasn't the kind of racism that I experienced here where people would just sort of like let me linger knowing that they were never going to do business with me. Um, and so I appreciated it a little bit, still disturbed by it, but definitely appreciate it. And so, but I felt a real way. And then, you know, um, you know, being by and, you know, having a boyfriend by the time, uh, Obama won the second time and him mentioning that in his speech made me even more emotional. I was like, this guy is wearing all the hats for us. This sort of leadership is allowing me to be over the course of his eight years. I turned from, you know, this person whose identity was questionable to someone who really thrived based on the fact that I had so many identities that I was available to talk about. And those things alone, another four years later, have made me into this sort of politician that can not only empathize with other folks, but relate to them off the cuff, even when we're nothing alike. I mean, I've been at a, a mosque in, a, in a, two churches in the past two days, and I don't believe in or follow anything that they got going on. But we hang out with everyone and talk about inclusion and otherizing people and accepting people. And it's only because at some point in the past 10 years, this light bulb went off and I go, oh, this is who I am. I should be available to talk about it, not be overbearing about it, but able to acknowledge it as a core piece of the, the sort of art that I'm offering folks, which in my case is sort of more writing and oratory. But, but so I'm, I'm just beyond excited that you all are seeing this, experiencing this, grappling with this or saying, no, because I think there'll be some people on the internet who say, that didn't really happen for me. What she's saying didn't happen for me. And that's fine too. But it's just fascinating that it's, it's a conversation that wasn't available to be had <laughs> two years ago when he started. Yeah. Yeah. Also, you know, in Andrew's case, and for a lot of Asians, um, you know, this came up a lot in um, our chat room is his personality. Mm. And he's, you know, he's obviously out there, you know, doing his thing and mm -hmm. he's a really great speaker and, you know, he connects with people. But at the same time, he's to 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 many of us, he seem he seems like a he more of, of an introvert, an introvert. Mm. Um which I think he himself has described himself as an introvert. There was an early interview in which he said that um, he was an introvert mm. and also he perceived Obama as an mm. uh, introvert who overcame that mm. and became this you know, public figure. And that's why he felt certain kinship to Obama. And mm. that story really stuck with me because I think there are a lot of Asians who feel that way that we are more of introverts than extroverts. I mean, mm. there are tons of extrovert sure. Asians too, but um, sure. at least like myself. And it kind of affects the way we talk, our body language, everything you sure. know, is kind of dictated by you know, that also. And in his case, because his parents were from Taiwan, mm. he's, I'm guessing that like his... his English ability too, you know, there might have been, you know, that might have been a little different from like mm -hmm. his, um, you know, um, friends. Mm -hmm. Like my children, you know, they were very late in their speech because oh, really? I was speaking to them in Japanese. Really? Um, and, you know, like 
English is my second language, so yeah. I'm always kind of speak, you know, thinking in my head, you know, like in d- two different languages. Right. Um, I don't think Andrew speaks that good Mandarin, but um, you know, all of these things combined. Yeah. They play in there. Yeah, yeah, they they do play into you know who we are. Totally. And. And you know he's into you know all these nerdy things, right? Yeah, and then there's yeah there's a stigma. Around. Yeah, yeah. So, but that was great. He made being a nerd he a did. cool thing. He did. So, you know, to me that was like, you know, two achievements, yeah. right? In one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that is another identity. That uh, there was that podcast, Nerds for Game. I was on there, and before I got on, the guy said, "Yeah, we go do this." this chant that we do about hello nerds and well the nerds are here and it's like it's great that we're all here and we're all nerds and i was like i'm i am sure i have a background in you know physics and mechanical engineering and macroeconomics like that is my formal training and you could call that nerdy i wouldn't i've never felt like a nerd per se actually when i was in elementary school i was arguably the bully uh <laughs> verbally at least because i was a scrawny kid i needed i needed words because i didn't have anything else to back it up Loud bark, no bite. But, but you're right. He made nerdiness sort of something that people wanted to go with. He even, I mean, popularized math. I mean, oh my the gosh, acronym right. is, oh, my God, it's great. Yeah. And so yeah. people are running with it. Right. And so, so you think he took this sort of, what do you think? You think he, what, he owned his introvertedness yes. and was able to identify with, I think, I, yeah, well, I guess we could argue so many Americans are introverted. But would you say, so you're saying Asians more often than not in your experience have some bit of introvertedness or well for example i mean i don't know what it's like themselves as different and they don't want to engage well actually no 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 we we have different philosophies you know Mm. like i i I don't know what it's like in japan now because i haven't been there for a long time but you know when i was growing up Mm. um men were supposed to be silent you know like you know it, it um, men who talked a lot mm. were looked down on. That mm. was a bad, you know, bad um, disposition. Mm. Okay. So, yeah. you know, like silence is gold. And that was that that was seen as masculinity. You know, it's a yes. manifestation of masculinity. Is right. To be He's quiet. Silent. He's just a man. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that's very different from, you know. <laughs> I've been seeing all these documentaries lately about the aging population in Japan and the lack of young people getting married. And at no point have I heard them try to explore uh, what you just said, like the culture of silence and masculinity and power and how that caters into young people dating. You know, because here in the the U.S., like you, Mm -hmm. if you're not chasing a girl, at least that was how it was when I was in high school in the mid and late 90s, then you weren't doing it right. You had to chase down enough of them here, know enough and you. You know, you chase 10, get one, and you're good to go. That's not good odds, you know, 10% is not good odds. Right. But that's interesting. So, you know, again, all of these things, we didn't really think that much about it before Andrew Yang came on the scene. Mm. Um, He brought out all these interesting things for us that, you know, that were always there, but we never really had to think too much about it, you know. Um, And... For him, for me, yep. to see an introverted person up there, and you could see that he struggled. He struggled at times at debates, you know, yep. because that was really not his thing. Yeah, he didn't he, seem to be. You know. you know, so but but just to 
overcome, you know, despite all of that, he was still up there and, you know, he did his thing. I mean, that to me was really moving. And to me, that was like, you know, a hero. That's what, you know, hero is. I love it. I appreciate him for it. And I love that you all are continuing to grow on on top of that. And so with that said, we're we're out of time. Um where can we where can we find you on the internet and just to because I want to do this again. I feel like we just, you know, touched the tip of the iceberg, but there's so much to talk about here. Okay. So um I do have a website. It's I haven't really updated it, but it, there is keikosono.com. But I also have a lot of other... you on Twitter and Instagram? Yeah, I have Twitter. Spell um, Keiko for them so they know how to Oh, yeah, Google so it. K-E-I-K-O-S-O-N-O. Yeah. So at K-E-I-K-O underscore S-O-N-O on Twitter and without the underscore on Instagram and keikosono dot... Is it com or... Yeah, dot com. Dot com. And any... Any other places that we should check you out? Actually, you know, I have a um, website called Forge Collective, forgeartcollective.com. And I am trying to um, convert that into um, yeah. lasting entity that would function as Yang Yang, local Yang Yang. But that's just... I like it. Let's talk yeah. more about okay. that. <laughs> All right, folks. So we'll be back next week. Uh, get ready for Conrad Tillert uh, coming up now. Um We'll talk to you next time. Thank you.